I'm Andy Contagula, your corporate casual Denver-based business attorney, bringing you the Don't Skip the Legal Podcast, where you can listen in on the real stories, the real stakes, and the real legal lessons from real business owners just like you. These behind-the-door conversations about business are instrumental to your success. This is where the deals are made, negotiations are discussed, and company problems are identified, leading you to overcoming the challenges we all face in our business. This podcast is your invitation to where the real business happens and also where the best ideas take place. So let's get behind the doors in business and break down these legal lessons. And overall, remember, don't skip the legal. I'd like to introduce Greg Odom. Yeah. He is the owner and the proprietor of the Trimmer Store, which has multiple locations in several different states across the United States. The main one being in his sort of enterprise store is located here in Denver, Colorado. So without further ado, Greg, I'd like you to introduce yourself and please tell us about your business. Tell us what you do. Tell us how you got into the business. I am the owner of the Trimmer Store. We have five locations across the country now. I took over sole ownership of the business in 2019. I had partners before that. The gist of our business is the rental cannabis and trimming equipment and processing equipment in the cannabis and hemp industry. We are a very specific business that not many others do. It's a small niche, but we've become sort of the experts in it. So tell us how an ordinary day in your business operates. You mentioned that you sort of rent trimming machines. What does that look like? What is a trimming machine? How do your customers benefit from your company? We sell service and rent, and our main source of revenue is the rental equipment, as this is equipment that is expensive, and cannabis or hemp can only be grown X amount of times per year, depending on your different various growing methods. So a lot of this equipment is something that a mid to smaller size grow would use four to six times per year. And so the cost of a rental versus the cost of buying, it makes more sense for them to rent instead of buy. And so we service that niche. And it's a very specific industry that we've learned and become experts on. There's many, many different grow stores, many different methods of growing cannabis or hemp. But there's only really so many ways to deal with it after the plant is cut down, which is a huge part of the harvest. It's where people's money can be made back if they do it properly and a large amount of revenue can be saved on their end by using this equipment versus using hand trimming, which requires several people, scheduling issues, staffing issues. Our equipment and our consultation really can drop the bottom line for the dispensary and owners and and CBD growers that grow. So we really, really help their bottom line and efficiency. So if I owned or operated a, we'll call it a farm, right? If that grows either marijuana products or marijuana plants or hemp plants, I need to have a way of getting that plant processed and into a way that people can then use it and utilize it for whether it's CBD production, whether it's in the dispensaries, that kind of thing, and processing the plant itself. And that's where you come in. Right. There's a lot to do after the plant is cut down, before it goes to its final destination, whether that turned into a a processed product like a, a shatter or wax or the several different ways that they transform cannabis or flour. But this is a very timely and expensive process if done by hand, and our machines really speed this up and make things more efficient. I mean, just a quick mathematical example would be the average person can trim 1 to 1.5 pounds in an 8-hour workday, and we have machines that can trim up to 80 pounds 
per hour. That's crazy. And everything in between, smaller ones that do three to four, but even the smaller ones greatly reduce the amount of time that even a small caregiver that grows cannabis just for their own self, it relieves their arthritis, their use of their hands, and the products are now so good, you really can't tell the difference. So this is a very specialized and a very niche industry that sort of buttresses and complements the marijuana and the dispensary industry here in Colorado. How did you decide that was where you wanted to go in your business, that that was the right direction for you to take in your business? How did this sort of manifest itself into your current venture? Well, I've always been an entrepreneur since I was 18 years old when I (laughs) started my own car detailing business and just done different things like that. And my old business partner, we kind of came up with the idea together. Back in the day, you could grow cannabis in your house and sell it to the dispensaries. And he came to my house one day and just in conversation said, I looked for a trimming machine on Craigslist and couldn't find one to rent. And The light bulb kind of went off and I said, well, you need one. There's got to be other people. And so we put up a fake ad on Craigslist that said we had a machine to rent and just to test the waters. And within a day, we had three or four people that called. And so the next day we went to the grow store where he got his grow supplies and we bought a trimming machine. And that was the birth of the trimmer store. And the interesting thing is that you and I actually met through your old business Correct. Part. Yes. And that was 10, 12... That was in 2010. 2010. So yeah, 12 years ago. 12 years. Which is ridiculous that the marijuana industry here in Colorado has been around and in building sort of since then. Obviously, it started off in the medicinal stage and now it's recreational. But I remember meeting with you and meeting you the first time and meeting with you and your business partner and coming up with that idea. How are we going to structure this business? How can we protect ourselves? And I was quick to realize that this isn't a business like where you're lawn mowing and you may or may not have to do things technically properly. But I was quick to realize that, you know, if somebody used one of our machines that we rented them and they got injured, that's on us. And so that was where we quickly decided we needed you to (laughs) help guide us with creating a waiver release that was very specific to our industry. And then, you know, for my old partner and I to create a real business operating agreement, because I had always been an entrepreneur, but they were always things that I had done on my own, you know, that didn't really require too much use of a real business structure, Mm -hmm. you know, books, a lawyer, things of that nature. This, however, was immediate that we needed guidance in both of those, specifically the waiver, knowing, you know, if somebody injured themselves using our equipment, that could come back to haunt us if they didn't sign a proper release form. And so that was my first order of business with you. And it's Making growing. sure you were protected because... Other people using your product can be very stupid. Stupid, yeah. If if you, you know, I mean, if when you rent any equipment from a a giant home goods store, I don't want to use any specific (laughs) names, you know, but they're going to do the same thing. They're going to ask you to sign a waiver. You know, if you borrow a chainsaw and you cut your arm off, it's not their fault. The same way with if you use our equipment. And because of the different levels of legal and non-legal sides of the cannabis industry and the gray area that existed, especially more at the beginning, we needed to make sure that we were protected if somebody's equipment got stolen and or confiscated while they rented it from us that we were covered. And that required Andy's specific knowledge in creating a document that would hold up in court. And you bring up a really good point, And that is, 
you're entering an industry that is highly regulated. Yes. That means if people are going to be utilizing the product or the service that you're promising, or at least they're promising, that they're going to be using your equipment for lawful purposes. Yes. So one of the issues, if I remember correctly, that you had to overcome was making sure that the people who were using your equipment to harvest their marijuana were actually properly licensed by the state and that they, you know, were using it for an appropriate purpose. And, and that, that's where, they, you know, what we were doing and what the state laws are, that's where I've described that there's a lot of gray area because in Colorado is what we call a caregiver state, which means you at home can get a license issued by the state to grow six or at the time, if you got an edibles license, you could grow up to 99 plants on your own. But there's gray areas where people would say they would rent a warehouse and three people that had a 99 count license would all be in there. And they'd go, well, th there was so much gray area. And that was where, you know, our waiver that you created, it would specifically protect us to say that it's assumed that you are using it. Under this state's laws, meaning, you know, if the cops or the DEA or anybody were to raid that place while they happen to be renting our equipment, well, they're going to confiscate it and we would still be owed the money by those people. And that happened to us on two occasions. <laughs> I was going to say, I remember a story you yeah. telling me about, so, about what happened. You know, and so we were able to recover the money. Because the contract stated that no matter what happened, they were responsible for it. Because in those cases, the police came in, they raided these, we'll call them an illegal grow for yeah. lack of a better term. And your machine happened to be there at the time. And of course, what happens under those circumstances? Everything gets taken. Yeah. So Everything. law enforcement comes in, they take your equipment, they take your property. Now we have some civil recourse against these people. Right. I don't remember the outcome of whether you were able to get those machines and never recovered back. the machines. It was a specific from the DEA, which is a federal agency in cannabis, even to this day, is still illegal federally. So we understand that you're protected and we get what you do and we're sorry, but you're not getting your equipment back. But we were able to recover the money from the person because of the contract that we were awarded in that mm -hmm. favor. So and that was all because of Andy. And in the process of putting together an ancillary business to an industry is much different than you creating a car detailing company where you're out there providing the service and everything like that. Right. You talked about it a little bit with your business partner, but how does the idea come up that going into this ancillary or support industry is really a good place to go and plant your flag? At the beginning of the industry, there was so much regulation and there still is. It's a constant change for the grower. Like I'll give a small example that they have to deal with something that I don't. Over the course of the last decade, They've constantly had to upgrade their equipment. You can't trim on a plastic table. Now you have to trim on a stainless steel table. And now you can't use this kind of packaging. You need to use this kind of safety packaging. And that's all done by lobbying. And we don't have any of that regulation. We are simply an equipment rental sales and service company. And so it doesn't matter if I'm in Oklahoma, Missouri, Colorado, 
all of those three states have three separate guidelines, rules, how the cannabis is grown, rules, but not what I do. I can rent them equipment, I can sell them equipment, and I can service their equipment with no red tape. So to me, at the time, it seemed like the right choice because I didn't have as much of a headache. And revenue is constantly changing. The tax rates are constantly changing. They're not for me. Our biggest issue that we've had to deal with that coincides with the cannabis industry is banking. We have been kicked out of three major banks. Can bet. And now we have to bank with the same bank that the dispensaries use and pay the absorbent amounts that they charge for checking for a month industry. because we're directly funded from the cannabis industry. I mean, we have invoices sent to them. There's really no way around it. That is one of the several hurdles that myself and everybody involved in the cannabis industry has to deal with. I mean, if you're a guy, I would say probably like security people and maybe electricians and plumbers that build out the grows, they probably can bank anywhere, but somebody like me that advertises on our website, you know, that we have cannabis and hemp equipment and we use those words, those are just some of the red flags and some of the things that with the help of our attorney, we've learned to minimize our risk with those and learn how to word things properly. And it's been a growing pain. For sure. So here you are, sort of the initiation of your business, putting it all together. You're having discussions with your business partner. You're thinking about how you want to grow and how you want to scale this. What is going through your mind in terms of your fears, in terms of your insecurities about what is going to happen if this doesn't work? Is the FBI going to show up at my door? Is the DEA going to show up? What's going through your mind at this stage of your game? Well, you're basically creating as we went. I did not invent the rental business. I mean, rental of equipment has been around for since equipment has been around. But we were the first to come up with the idea within the cannabis industry to rent equipment. And we had to scale when we first started. Colorado and California were the only places and the market in it and the business was already established in California. So we didn't feel it was the right move to take our business to California. At the time, California was very anti-equipment trimming. It was very hand trim only and it was a very negative energy of moving there. So we stuck in Colorado and as the industry moved east and we learned our business model more, we first opened a second store in Colorado Springs, one in Denver, one in Colorado Springs. And it turned out there had already been somebody that started, I don't want to say they copied our idea, but they did copy our idea because they were came up to us at a trade show and said, that's a good idea. And then they opened a business with a very similar name to ours. I don't want to directly use their name, but competition is inevitable. There's more than one grocery store, more than one gas station, but it just proved to be too geographically close to our other location. We were taking money away from each one and making each one struggle a little. So new Oklahoma opened and I decided at that point, as I had just become the sole owner to close that location and relocate it to Oklahoma, which was absolutely the best, one of the best business decisions I've made. So just to clarify, you closed down the Colorado Springs location. You Due to its packed... proximity to Denver. And, Got it. And they were just a little too close and taking business from each other. And then and what made you decide that Oklahoma and Oklahoma City was the right place for you to go? Well, Oklahoma was an emerging market. And to be honest, when I took over the business, it was in financial trouble and I secured a loan, took the business over solely on my own and within months really started turning it around. And then my employee, you know, he offered and said that he would run a location there. And I thought, why not? And when we went there, it began to succeed immediately, which that opened my eyes to see that I have the ability <laughs> 
to run a location in another state to succeed at it and, you know, do it on my own and as it became more my own. And I'm not saying there were issues with partners. Everybody has that. But when it's all yours, you're not doing part of the work and they're getting part of the money. All that's over. It's all you. So you really begin to dive in and take it as a passion and a love. And then I realized if I can open a store in another state, why can't I open another store in another state? And then I had people approach me from St. Louis that as Missouri became a legal state, they wanted to get into the business and realized without knowing me, they looked at ancillary businesses too and thought that my model was a good one and approached me to be partners. And that was a big learning experience to go back and forth with contracting on whether we should do licensing become a straight partner. Right. And I think for our particular business model, partnership is the way to go as there's a lot less red tape, but it taught me and it gave me the confidence. And with your guidance, those contracts are now solid. I've opened two more locations where there was no, we're going back and forth with the operating agreement. It was me saying, I've already done this. Here's the deal. If you want to take it, take it. If you don't, then maybe this isn't the best thing because I'm not willing to give any less than this for my knowledge and my time that I'm putting in. And all that was a lot of your guidance to help me make sure to protect myself. Mistakes that were learned from the first time going around with partnerships. And I don't want to say really, you know, a mistake because that makes just things that you learn that you can do better and write the language better to make it so that there's absolutely no gray area when separation or sale time comes. And those were all learning experiences. And because our industry is new, our specific industry and our business is a new one, it was challenges for you that you had to learn and help us with. And you really did. Well, let's talk about that event. Your business has come so far. You had your business partner to begin with. Yeah. You ultimately dissolved your business relationship with your former business partner. Correct. And now you are the sole owner in your business here, which is great. And I think everybody who starts in this wants to be able to build something. But you have managed to build a brand for yourself as the trimmer store, which you are proudly displaying here on your shirt today, and appropriately so. But when we looked at these other states, when we looked at Oklahoma was a little bit different because that was your Colorado Springs business being relocated. It's still you. You just brought on another person to help you manage and and run that show. But St. Louis and the whole Missouri event, we'll call it. Yeah, that was a different That was a different animal for us as we discussed it because my opinion originally was – Let's do this as a licensing gig. You have managed to build your brand as the trimmer store. Let's now take your brand and let other people use your brand in other locations. Much like when you go to the airport and you see a little coffee kiosk and it's branded, it's licensed under a certain brand. It's not the actual franchise store or a store of the parent company. And we had approached it that way originally. Yeah, but right. through our negotiations with the other side, we changed that model. And we went more into, as you mentioned, a partnership phase. Right. I want people to understand why you thought that was a better okay. place for you to go as a business partner rather than somebody who was, for lack of a better term, renting your name. The main reason was the licensing agreement, in my opinion, let me use Subway as an example. I feel like it's more modeled after something like that. We're just not on that scale. And I felt that licensing out the name meant 
that's somebody using my name without me having a lot of oversight or input into it because you can only do so much as the licensee or licensor, excuse me. <laughs> I felt in the end that a partnership bonded me to the people running that store a little more that they could lean on me without feeling like they were bugging me, I guess would be to say. Ultimately, they were very new to the industry. I mean, they knew nothing. They just knew that it was a good business idea. They needed me to be able to answer questions for their clients that they couldn't answer until they were comfortable in their shoes doing it. The way that we ended up finalizing the agreement, part of it is in a way still a little bit of a licensing agreement as they are using our trademark name, the Trimmer Store, and our brand, you know, our watermark and things are still owned by me. So that if things go south, they cannot keep or retain that name. So it was a blend, in my opinion, a little bit of licensing and ending up with a partnership where I'm a minority partner, but I'm still on paper as a partner. I felt in the end for the smaller size that we are, that was the way to go. And it's worked out so far. I have a very good working relationship with them. I don't feel like they're just using my name. I feel a part of that store. I feel that I can go there and if they needed me to do larger consult yeah. or demo, that we're all part of the team. And I like that environment. So for me and my particular likes and dislikes of, way, of a way to run a business and having a personal touch. I'm a, I don't want to use the word, I'm a blue collar guy. Like I clean my own machines. You're a no collar guy. What are you talking about? Well, <laughs> I work on the machines. I'm not just a manager. I believe that the owner of a business should know how to do everything in there. Now they may not stay in that role forever because eventually if a business has to grow, the owner shouldn't be the guy cleaning the machines. He needs to be the guy thinking about where the next location should be and how to accomplish that. If I want to give my guys the weekend off and go work, I'm not above that. It keeps me grounded. It keeps me knowing what to do in my business and that's just who I am as a person. And so I felt for me as a person and comfortability for me that the partnership over the licensing agreement was the way to go. If this were to go international and grow in the next 10 to 20 years, then that obviously might need to be modified because I can't be in 50 locations and I can't help people in 50 locations and speak multiple languages. Those are things that as we grow, we will overcome those hurdles. But for the first five stores, I wanted it to be partnership. Let's take a moment to acknowledge the importance of legal knowledge in the business world. Legal issues can be a minefield, but they don't have to be. That's why I am thrilled to introduce you to a resource that will be your guiding light through these challenges. Get ready to discover the ultimate legal companion for entrepreneurs. I am excited to introduce you to Don't Skip the Legal, the startup guide for entrepreneurs and business owners, your ultimate companion for conquering the legal challenges of entrepreneurship. It is authored by me, Andy Contagulia, a seasoned business lawyer based here in Denver, Colorado. This book is your roadmap to navigating the legal landscape with confidence. Inside, you'll find valuable insights on choosing the right business entity, understanding fiduciary duties, tackling financing options, hiring employees, and even nailing down the perfect business name and location. But that's not all. You can get your hands on this essential guide in both Kindle and paperback form, making it super convenient for you. 
If you're ready to empower your business with knowledge, head over to Amazon, head over to Kindle, and grab your copy of Don't Skip the Legal today. For more details and updates, visit don'tskiptheLegal.com and don't let the legal hold you back in succeeding in business. With Don't Skip the Legal, the startup guide for entrepreneurs and business owners, you can take your business to new heights. Available on Amazon and Kindle. Now let's get back to the podcast. And as you and I discussed it more, I like the idea of having somebody have the proverbial skin in the game, which I think your business partners in St. Louis, they do. They're very nice people. They worked very well with us as we were putting things together. And it sounds to me like you have a great business relationship with them now after, God, it's probably been how long now? Two years? Maybe more? Actually, they just opened their store in July of 2021. Okay. Okay. So it's been about almost a year. We were working on the contract this this year. (laughs) Okay. We finalized it, I want to say, in May of 2021, and just after July 4th was the official opening. But it's like, it's one thing to own a house and have somebody rent it. The renter rarely has the interest in keeping the house clean and tidy as the owner does. But when they co-own it with you, they feel that there is some form of equity and value in the ownership, in the co-ownership, which then, as I said, gives them an opportunity to help grow and scale and maintain. And I think that's where you can really take advantage of and scale at a broader length in order to do those types of things and still maintain and protect the brand because you still get to put in some checks and balances. How are you maintaining? And I can imagine that this is probably a little bit of a, a problem for you or not really a problem per se, but a management issue that you have to deal with, which is making sure that they are true and honorable to your brand. How are you managing that? Well, unless you're there or you have a camera system wired into their store and can monitor them, there's no way to know for sure. I know by what I hear from my clients, the reviews that we get, we use a phone tracking system that for analytics that let us know where do our calls come, Google, Facebook, mm-hmm. organic, etc. And we record those so that we can listen. And that's really how I learned is by listening to the way that they talk to the clients, the way that they've really gained knowledge and answer the questions and rely less and less on me <laughs> for a small little thing. They have come along. We've groomed them well. Well, listen, I want to be respectful to your time, and I know we're coming up sort of on the end of your availability here. So I want to try to get us to a good, solid conclusion and maybe some really good nuggets here for everybody to take with them here at the end of this podcast. But in your operations, you're running your store here in Colorado. You're running a store in Oklahoma. I should say multiple locations in different areas, right? Colorado, Oklahoma, Missouri, Michigan, and Florida. So... How are you maintaining your productivity? What are you doing to maintain your Greg Odom's work-life balance as I love watching you play golf all the time? How are you well, maintaining I mean, it's that? A, it, the answer to that question is relatively simple. Our business model, it isn't brain surgery. It's we're renting equipment. So once the store is opened and the people are trained, they're relatively on their own. And I can do everything from my phone. So I worked hard to be able to work hard part of the day and be able to enjoy life a little bit. My grandfather was an entrepreneur as well, had his own business. At the end of his life, his advice to me was, don't do it exactly the way I did because I didn't get to enjoy. I got sick when I not too long after I retired. Do more when you're younger and enjoy life a little bit more. And I had a very good relationship with him and I took that to heart. And so my definition of success is being able to accomplish what he asked 
or the advice that he gave me. Mm-hmm. And I like my life. I'm not ashamed that I go golf on a Tuesday afternoon because <laughs> I worked hard to be able to do that. I don't miss phone calls. I talk to my clients. I help them if they have a problem with a machine they bought for me. Mm-hmm. I deal with it, get it done, get the part to them, and then play the next hole. There you go. <laughs> and that's the luxury. And that gives you the opportunity while you're on the golf course, still you get to manage the Oklahoma store. If you're in Oklahoma, you get to manage the Michigan store. If you're in Michigan, you get to help manage the Florida store. And you have people you trust in each of those locations that I think... Correct. They lean on me if they have to. Obviously, the canvas industry wasn't around 25 years ago, but if it was, and I was starting in this, I wouldn't be able to do that because technology is not the way it is now. I mean, I can't... You couldn't answer your phone on the golf course 25 years ago and create an invoice for someone or even FaceTime them to tell them how to fix the machine in five minutes. And I can do all of those things now. So what is wrong with blending (laughs) technology, your business, and your own personal life, I guess, would be to create a good balance. All right. So in closing, tell our listeners three ways how a lawyer has helped you in your business. That's very easy. I mean, one of the easiest is operating agreements with a partner or whether it even be a sole proprietorship to understand your responsibilities. For my specific industry, creating a waiver for our business, you know, when we rent this very specific equipment that has very wide open ranges of uses and that what could be legal or, or not legal. And you've guided us through that. I would have to say the overall thing, that, you know, and what I do is partnerships. So having very good language in your partnership agreement your exit strategy with your partners on what we're going to do if we sell the the business, who gets a vote on whether we sell the business or not, because I overall own my brand, even though I have partners at different locations, if someone were to come in now and make us an offer, I supersede and could say, we can sell the business or my name is going to go with it. And those were all things that I wouldn't have known. Learning from the separation of my previous partner created ways to protect myself and make down the line with new partners. And I think that overall gives me a high level of comfort and reduces any future anxiety because it's already been written down and signed. All right, Greg, where can our listeners find you online and where can they learn more about your business? We're located in five different states. We have a general website, thetrimmerstore.com, all one word. And there's tons of information about what we do. Each location is on our website with a different kind of equipment that we have. You know, we have YouTube videos. We have Facebook and Instagram. You can find us if you know how to use a computer. Really, if you need our help, a real personal conversation is always the best way because everybody's grow is different than the other person's. And so we can help you get in that right equipment. Greg, this has been awesome. I have been honored to be a part of your journey. You are a very close friend of mine. You and I have built a relationship and a friendship over the past 12 years, which I think is fantastic. I love bantering with you on Instagram yeah, and I, busting I, your chops and you give it right back to that's me. The, that's what I like. I don't, awesome. I, life is about personal relationships and there is no nothing wrong with having a personal relationship that you have someone with a business relationship. And I've truly enjoyed it over the last 12 years too, becoming friends with you and also really knowing that you have my best interest in mind. And I appreciate the way that you will give it to me straight. The same way that I give it to people straight. Right. You are very black and white me and I don't always necessarily agree with you. And that's part of our relationship. I listen to what you say. I take it into consideration. 
and then I make my own decision on it, and right. you respect that, and I truly appreciate. And, that. and you That's don't why I stay with you, yeah. And, and you don't hesitate to tell me if I'm lacking in some form or fashion, if something's not getting done as quickly as you would like. Right. The and, point being that our relationship as not only business associates, yes. but as friends, has really, I think, helped grow my business and also help you grow your agree. business. I would so, absolutely agree. Awesome. I know you're short on time. Again, thank you, Greg. Yeah. Always awesome. a pleasure, buddy. Thanks, bud. Thank you. And everybody, again, thank you for joining us. This is Andy Contagulli and Greg Odom reminding you to don't skip the legal. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Don't Skip the Legal podcast. I'm your host, Andy Contagulia. I hope you enjoyed our time together and this great opportunity to peek behind the business door and examine the legal lessons in business. If you're keen to hear how these lessons can be applied in the real world, well, join us next week for another episode where you can listen in to another business success story. As always, you can head over to contagulia.com forward slash podcast to sign up to our email list, as well as check out all the links and resources in our show notes. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at AJCESQ. Thanks again. This is Andy Contagulia reminding you to don't skip the legal. Good luck. The legal information contained in this podcast is intended for general informational and entertainment purposes only. It should only be used as a starting point for addressing your specific legal issue. The legal information I talk about does not create an attorney-client relationship between you and me. This podcast is not a substitute for an in-person or telephonic consultation with a lawyer who is licensed to practice in your jurisdiction about your specific legal issue, and you should not rely on this legal information for those purposes. You understand that questions and answers or other information contained in this podcast are not confidential and are not subject to attorney-client privilege. I am not providing you a legal service. Every legal case is different, and past performance is not indicative of future results. Please consult your own attorney.